This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rude. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, this is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Goodbye and good night, Thanks. Welcome to One Nation Radio It is the June 2nd edition my name is Rich Latta, of course, and I am here with my co-host, James Boy. James, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know exactly what the fuck is going on out here. I see. Come on. So go ahead. Let's do, let's let's let's. Okay. Do we give a um, should we do a, a table of contents at the front end of the show to give people what we're going to talk about uh, and then move on to topics or what are you going to do first? Look, they know why they're here. This is the John Moxley Appreciation Show. We're also going to talk about NXT, and we'll give you a uh, preview of the show that's happening from the country that WWE is not allowed to talk about on the air. But make sure you guys are checking out uh, all the shows on the So Suplex Podcast Network, visiting um, our Pro Wrestling Tees store. Uh, pick yourself up some Social Suplex merch, as well as the sponsor of this show, uh, Powerslam.tv, 5,000 hours of independent wrestling. Uh, content on there. Probably have some new John Moxley on that bitch at some point. <laughs> Seeing as how he's not in WWE anymore. Seeing as how this man's all over the world and the hottest star in the business. And he lit Vincent Kennedy McMahon ablaze. Boy. So. Where where do we begin, James? <sighs> I mean, let's see. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there was so much in that podcast. Like, I mean, it went down a timeline. It, it's funny because we, we were doing the weekly review shows on LLP Radio, and we would talk about how nuts the whole heel turn thing was until the end of his tenure was. And it's it's really interesting that like the almost exact same things we saw and thought were bad television or um just just bad approaches for a character or a storyline or or TV, quite frankly. And he you know, he pretty much said every he pretty much laid out in lesser detail because you know we were in this week after week to week, but in you know 
in minutes here and there. Like he went through it and was you know hacking at it somehow. How stupid this was! Like so, between the can't. So I mean I don't know. Like do you want to follow through that or or do you want to so, you know briefly summarize that or, or where do you want to go or do you want to just go basically off like his attitude and his and him trying to cut through all the bullshit and all of the middleman he has to get through to get to Vince, who was ultimately the the end all be all for everything that's on this television. We'll get there. But first, I want to take a victory lap <laughs> on all these motherfuckers. Okay, Denzel. <laughs> that come out here and defend Vincent Kennedy McMahon like they are employed. They bend over backwards so far they are coming out on the other side. As you guys may have heard me say before. John Moxley not only verified what the fuck we're talking about, but he echoed the sentiments that led to a rival promotion being started in North America. Yeah. Let's get to it, man. So that was, I think that was like, I don't think that was some top notch, like Stephen A radio. I think that was some, I think that was some top notch. Like, I think that the bending so far backwards that whatever that line is, like, that is like your new unmitigated gall. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's your your new one. You own the sum. You need to keep that in the chamber. I will. I will. And (laughs) boy, it just felt good to be right. You know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. So the week basically started. uh, I, I had first heard about the show probably like a day or two before on Twitter, someone had asked Jericho, and for all we know, Jericho asked someone to randomly tweet at him because that's how he started the Kenny Omega feud. Um, he was like, yeah, they were like, when is John Moxley going to be on Talk is Jericho? He was like, actually, now that you mention it, he's going to be on on Wednesday. So the buzz was building. I, I had sent it to our group chat. I didn't really, you know, get a lot of response on it. I, I didn't think anybody really wanted to engage or anything. But when it came out, James, we um, had recorded a show that night. I believe it was the last LOP show, and it went like two and a half hours, so we were up actually yep. kind of late that night. Yep. I decided to go to sleep before um, you know work and all that. I had to get up early. James stayed up like the night owl he is. And was listening to hey, man, it. You don't even be telling people that I stay up all times <laughs> at night. Like, it, look, I have problems with insomnia, and you know, I don't. But I don't need people knowing that exactly. I don't. You know, whatever, whatever. Let's this, just let's come on. Go ahead, Jamie. Up all night, roller, roller, rolling, and slept in weeks. Wow. Right? Okay. Sure. That's exactly what uh, that issue is. But uh, James began uh, filling up the group group chat late at night and whatever I woke up to it I, I kind of just rolled over around 6.30 a.m. and I decided fuck it I'm about to listen to it now Twitter's ablaze already and I got into it and boy boy it was lit <laughs> like big mama stove boy it was just just unbelievable uh, from the top to the bottom how he said he was treated in WWE uh, when he you know a, a creative guy like himself and you know was signed for his ability to to talk and and do promos and be compelling and they weren't interested in any of that um the cool part about it jericho just kind of let him unfucking load and this is probably i i actually did a uh a podcast appearance uh yesterday 
for Tom on the Military Industrial Suplex Show. And he laid it out, uh, or I pretty much told him, I thought it was like the the grown-up, more polished version of the CM Punk uh, podcast. Yeah. I actually listened to that podcast earlier today, actually, and I thought it was a um, pretty good podcast. And it was one of those, like, you're being you, but uh, he is still, like, in the cut doing, like, his NPR podcasting voice. And I thought it was cool. It's kind of like the – and, you know, I tend to like the kind of podcasts that he's on because – or that you guys did because, like, I'm not for the sports radio debate back and forth. Thing that I can yell louder. I can talk for longer and fill the bus, so therefore I'm right. But but so I really enjoyed that podcast. But um, and you also you know you guys went through a bunch of things between the the difference between the Sasha stuff and the um in the Sasha stuff and Leo Rush compared to other people that have their grievances with the company while they're still in the company or forced to stay with the company. So I thought it was cool. Um, but yeah, and also you guys touched on the the voicing of people that are not straight up white people in the company and and saying like how do you be you when it's everything's being filtered through one person and one person's voice and that's why we have this you know you didn't talk about this that much but like that's kind of the reason why we have like everybody talks the same everybody says the same stuff everybody says this unbelievable you know catchphrases and lingo and jargon or whatever else that ignore who you would actually say they have to call a belt a or at least except for becky has to call the belt a um a title or championship anyway this that's why I'm, I'm moving on but yeah, he um a lot of that stuff irritated him, and a lot of the stuff, and I've lost track of what we were talking about. I mean, we were talking about Ambrose, but uh, what specifically we were talking about with Ambrose, I forgot. Pretty much like the, um, you know how he was using the company, and ah, yeah, you know they yeah he was this compelling character, but they didn't want him to be that. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because. You go through the people talk about the documentaries, and they always do when they do the worked um, shoot stuff for the the documentaries and everything, and like Twenty Four or Chronicle or whatever else. And I mean, you go watch that Chronicle, and I, I think I told you the first time I saw it, I was like, "This thing is incredible! Like, this is absolutely what his character should be versus what you see on t on the TV screen." And it's very much follows in a pattern when I keep telling you about the network, the stuff they put on the network all the time whether it's the pay-per-views, whether it's the documentaries, whether it was talking smack, what have you. These people, the people that live in it, because these are, these are they are the people that are portraying these roles, have a better grip on an idea on the and feel on the character than Vince does because Vince is, you know, changing his mind constantly. And, and it's a lot worse now than it was, or at least it feels like, than it was, let's say, even two years ago. But that's in the way and you know when people tell stories like you you have all types of um different ways to handle it. like you can either focus on your characters and service your characters or you could service the story and and focus on like we have this this elaborate thing and we're trying to weave a tapestry and honestly you know they are so far gone on on one end of um I used to, for at least for me, I used to think that, I used to think that Vince was a character or was a, uh, was a character guy. And that's why the stories get wonky from time to time. But if you put in, but if it pays off with 
the match is fire because he told the story of whatever else. Cool. Um, then like, okay, that, that at the end of the day, like it, it went through and it made the story work because that's the, you know, the conclusion, if you will. So let's say the story is wonky. They paid it off. Like Sasha and Charlotte, all that was the story was wonky, but we're trying to get these two people, two people over these two characters over. And the character really is, or the characters of both of them really is, they hate each other's guts and they want to prove who's the best. So we'll go. But you go through this and it's more or less, you come to realize like, yes, he's a character guy, but he keeps losing sight of what the hell ever, what the hell ever is the character. And it com- he's coming through more and more when you see, you know, someone like NXT callers come up and they don't really change the character. It's more or less like Triple H and whoever else in the actual worker, they bring up these people um, and they're more or less versions of what they kind of were in the indies, but they kind of WWE eyes and they put it into the NXT world and you kind of get an idea of what they are. Or they do some changes like Alistair Black, Tommy and Alistair Black are the same thing. Ricochet is more or less, they ported him in as Ricochet, right? And, on, and honestly, why, why would you do anything but? but? <laughs> I mean, not everybody can just come in as is because there are a lot of rough edges that kind of need to be, you know, for TV in theory, right? Like, Let's say they were to sign someone like a Tommy, like a like Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc can't come in as Jimmy Havoc. The motherfucker is here doing all these death matches, right? Yeah. So you got to kind of cool off some of that. Or I mean, in the case of hell, Ambrose is a CCW guy. So yeah, like Ambrose can't come in as being Moxley doing, a, you know, getting his have his head chopped off or have his forehead chopped off in death matches with uh, electric saws. Anyway, uh, okay. So really, what I'm getting at is. I've come to the realization while listening to this that Vince is still the character guy I think he was, but he's so out of touch that it has now affected everything. Yes. I mean, just, it's, it, 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 yeah, like he is just affected everything and it's just done. It's kaput until they they move on. Like before, I thought, like, I need to get him out of here or he needs to be around and he can work one angle. Now, where it's like, He's screwing up the characters and them and him ruining these characters makes it to where er- nothing matters. Like, it just, it, it doesn't matter if they have the match that goes and in, in, um, in pays off a bad storyline that makes you forgive a storyline being bad or bland or nonsensical or, or whatever else. He, he's just like, he's, he, he's so far gone that he was not going to be able to create another superstar. He's just not. And if that's the case, he needs to go like bounce it, hollow. It's a start making business depart. Start making business. Like this is based on individuals and he can't make, you know, individual people want to go tune in to see unless they've been around for a long time and pushed at a certain level. And that's the only thing that informs you about why you should care about the character. Not the, I empathize with him. I aspire to be him. I, you know, I, I, I was shown size or emotion. I didn't know I could see by watching her, that stuff. That's that it doesn't exist anymore. The only way you get those kind of things are if it is, they have screwed up a storyline, and people have rejected having a person that got that uh, they got fucked over in the bad storyline they told, like Becky, um, or they're invested because of something got completely put placed in their lap, like Kofi. Like that's supposed to be Ali's thing. Ali would not have gotten over to to that extent, but he would have gotten over after that kind of performance. But because he's he's a very talented promo, but I I, I mean now 
that's that's where we are. And you look at where Roman is. Roman came back. Nobody's booing. Nobody is booing him. But he came back exactly like he was for the past. Was it six years? I think I made the joke that like he's been in the shield for six years. Like Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins have, uh, you know, to more or less extent, uh, broke out and left the shield. Roman Reigns is still in the paint, boots on with the uh, with the the Roman Reigns on or whatever you want to call him in the the vest. Roman Reigns is twenty-seven years old with a fucking high school letter jacket on. Yeah, more or less, more or less. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, the best part in the part that like encapsulates it is and I'm not saying none is is Roman's fault like and I've been saying this for a while now every single person on the main roster when something is fucked up unless some like performance like I think you're giving a flat performance and feel like you're dead behind the eyes uh um Baron Corbin like unless it's somewhere I feel like nobody has zero passion zero charisma zero personality like unless it's that I'm I'm everything is his fault so I mean, obviously, you know, like there's botches in a match, something like that, or the match, the matches aren't on the point, like that stuff. That stuff that you can isolate. The stuff you can isolate, I, I can blame the rest, the performers and the wrestlers for that. Everything else, all him. So, you, with, with Roman, is is even back to that moment that is crystallized. All this is his second week back. He wants to reform the fucking shield. His second week back, he wants, to, he wants to get the shield back together. And just like you're saying, like, he's a 20-something-year-old that's still wearing out a lemon jacket. Like, yeah. First week, I'm, I am I am humbled and honored to tell y'all that I'm in remission, y'all. Next week, hey, Seth, I need you to do something for me. I need you to forgive uh, Ambrose. Now, look, 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 look. I understand that he said that God's punishing me for beating people up. I understand it. Let, let's, let's forget. So... There's then of course we have to talk about the the one story where uh, basically Moxley lays it out like you know he he's got this ridiculous promo that he's been given and there's just <laughs> a bunch of things that are you know that are it's nothing that a cool person does a relatable person yes. does there's nothing there's nothing that a guy you even want to hang out have a beer with. Or you would even want to root for, like, these are things that an idiot would do. Things like driving backwards yeah. on a unicycle or sharing a pizza with a homeless man. Uh, and he basically is like, I got to go talk to Vince, essentially, because the writer is like, yeah, I can't really do none, nothing because uh, uh, Vince says you need to recite this shit verbatim. So Mosley goes in there. <laughs> and he was like, man, Vince, I can't say this stuff. This is ridiculous. And, you know, Vince is like, Oh, it's such good shit. <laughs> you know, this, this stuff, this is the reason people like you. They connect to you. You know, you're you're different. And, you know, it's so you. Because I'm an idiot. It's you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, you forgot to get a chuckle. He does the, when, he, when Ambrose is telling this story, he says that, so what you think is, so what you think my character is, is an idiot. And then Vince goes, <laughs> "It's you." <laughs> it's like it's like it's one of those things where like somebody's trying to run a scam on you. Yes, you catch them, and then instead of no, they realize like to they, it, they realize you caught them. Yes, and they're laughing and they're trying to charm you now, and they pivot. He goes, <laughs> "It's you." It's like <laughs> okay, okay, Vince. All right, Vince. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so yeah, he goes on to talk about how the the entire creative process in WWE is broken. Um, But hold on, real quick. So, I I think I tell you about this one. I've I've told you about this before a bunch of times. So we always you used to always talk about a prop comedy. We used to call him prop comic, and then sure enough, he calls himself a prop comic as well. Mm -hmm. So it's so funny because I've also my other one was always say like he used to come out with the cat that's. Uh, when they were at the casino, and that man had that that foam, that green foam cowboy hat, looking like Buster Rhymes, and give me some more video. Right. And sure enough, and then he talks about you know the the ketchup and the hot dogs, and why does Vince always have me in a fucking vehicle? Yes. Said, uh, <laughs> don't let them know you got a shred of comedic timing because they'll fucking yep. or or don't don't let there be any nouns in a promo because you'll end up with with said prop uh, there. Yep. Real quick. He just busted the WWE wide open, like, <laughs> like just, just completely exposed Vince McMahon's like lack of touch in 2018, 17, 19, 20, whatever going forward. He didn't know why he was cutting certain promos um, at, at certain points, and it was just like, I feel so bad for this guy, and also, none of this is new. This yep. is what we say. This unrelatable shit that that doesn't connect with anyone. And then we wonder why the crowd reactions don't always add up. Then we wonder why matches are being had in silence. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, another part about it is, in, in the larger scheme, is why do you have all these people around you as a brain trust and people that help write and put pitch you ideas if the only thing you're really interested in getting pivoted on is like wording from time to time you know so like a lot of this is in ambrose said it's like the infrastructure he built and is meant to make all the wrestlers literally disposable everybody's a mid carter and you look at the tv everybody everybody's interchangeable and that's the reason why, because everybody's the same. Everybody talks the same. So all it is is it's just in a new fancy package. It's fifty people. I'm sorry. It's it's fifty people. Ten of them are women on one brand. Fifty of them, or not fifty, like let's say like thirty five of them are men, and and they all show up on uh you know that same number shows up on Monday. That same number shows up on Tuesday, and that's it. Like they're all basically the same. Like some are supposed to be evil this week, some are supposed to be good this week, and they interact with each other and they all talk the same. Yeah, and that's their television. Yeah, and the only thing that's really different is the aesthetics of the way they look and dress. So there's that is not. It's not a good. That's not good. Yeah, Um, he he then talked about how he didn't know how the creative process works and. (laughs) Um, just different stuff. Like he said, he was not an actor. Um, and that's pretty much what these people are. There's something about pooper scoopers that Vince was insisting on, uh, being in there. There was also something where he refused to say a line about Roman Reigns leukemia. That was even worse than the one that, um, was on there and think about had he just like went along with it. Right. (laughs) If it was so bad, it was going to lose sponsors, bro. We know how this company gets down. If you fought with the sponsors, they're going to fuck with you. And then it's going to be like the heat would have rolled back on Ambrose. 
the wrong the wrong way. I mean, okay, so I think from a outside or a a maybe a casual fan that doesn't realize how heavily all this stuff is scripted. Um, I think I think it might be handled the same way that they're handling the same as anything with the AEW match, where like somebody put it in. There, nobody's going to take accountability for them putting in that dumb shit. It was probably Vince that left it in there because he thought it was a killer line because it's cheap heat. And then somebody's gonna, head's going to roll and they move on. But then, then like the wrestler may or may not get punished for not having the brain to say, I shouldn't say this dumb shit. So, I mean, maybe he would have got something, but more likely, like it would have been a, a writer or whoever posted the last thing that got fired for that. And he he made it um, really clear that the wrestlers aren't scared uh, to get fired, and he pushed back on all the attitude era guys that says that say that you need to speak up. And he pretty much let them know like this is not the attitude era anymore, bro. Like this shit, the whole shit is different now. And for his to his credit, he was always a guy at least how he painted it. And then when you look at his execution, he'll try to make the best of whatever he's given there. Doesn't mean that it's going to work out. Doesn't mean that it's going to be, like, the hottest thing. But what he's going to do is try to do the best he can with it. And he's going to get the, – the greatest thing is you can't call him unprofessional. You can't call him, like, somebody that didn't value, um, you know, the opportunity he was given. Basically, anything the FDS would have thrown on him uh, to, to try to <laughs> undercut exactly what the fuck he was saying and, and the overall message, all that – can be shoved right up your asses so um and you know there there's more like that or in, in the jericho thing it's just it's just so explosive and he he hated all the goofy shit so i'm gonna need everyone that that was um calling wade keller's report bullshit and, and you know saying this is a work i'm gonna need all y'all to go to go apologize to wade keller in his mentions um and, and bow down like the West Side Connection uh <laughs> before that man <laughs> and say I'm sorry. So and another thing, he he talked about how the video was made and all that. These fucking assheads that that assume that only WWE can can foot the bill on something that looks like that because they're in such a fucking bubble with wrestling. And when it comes to wrestling in WWE, <laughs> they think they're the only ones capable of this. Our homeboy Jason can shoot that video, James. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, also Diaz too can also uh, do Diaz that, can do know, that. So, what up, Diaz? Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's always weird for me because I'm saying that you could that who could afford the production budget for this? And it's like I don't know how much y'all know Dean Ambrose has made over the years in WWE, but like he's made he's had years where he's racked up over a million dollars. Years, plural, not yes. just one, not just two years, and like so, I it. Let's say you thought it cost fifty thousand dollars. He had the, in theory, he had the bread for that, in theory, you know. So whatever. Um, and I remember I think at the time we said to you, like, uh, we said like, that's something he absolutely could afford. He absolutely could have afforded, and you know, th- this day and age. You know, the only thing you can really tell as far as um, as far as video quality is whether or not, like, if something's really bad and really cheaply made, it looks really bad and really made. But outside of that, it's all relatively looks the same, especially because there's no, like, you know, computer graphics or anything. Like, it was just straight up 
shots and lighting. And I love the fact that he told Vincent Mann uh, to go to hell and to call Dave Bautista or Triple H or Brock for the European tour when he tried to, to hoodwink him uh, into doing it. And he said he was working on a film project, which turned out to be the video that we all lost our minds over. And <clears throat> he protected himself, ironically, by not engaging in social media the whole time he was in WWE. The second that he breaks out, it's a whole new world, and he's a master of it already. Yeah. Um, I would say that I think that he, at this point, like he needs to do all of the interviews he wants to do as far as WWE right now, get it out of the system forward from there. Because um, i say... He does this like six months from now, and then nine months from now, he'll be like, "Okay, we did like you do it all now because it's still fresh." But <clears throat> at a certain point, we're we'll lobbing that bitter at you, and then you're just gonna be uh, be bitter for the rest of your life. So, um, you know, he definitely had his grievances, but I um, and I'm, I really, you know, you think about think about what he talks about. Like the stuff is about, oh, my positioning was stupid or uh, or I should have been the top guy or I should have went over. All right, we're back. We have some technical difficulties. Um, James, you were saying that Moxley's grievances weren't that he was not a top guy or, uh, you know, after a championship or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, his grievances weren't like the stuff that people – call you bitter for like the oh you weren't oh i was misused or as he said like the when he said like i i could have been a contender but hogan you know politic me out of it but and a also, lot of stuff was the the, the folks that want to screenshot his wikipedia page with those fake championships that have never meant less in this era and then try to use that as justification for him being pushed correctly yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah he's my sasha right <laughs> so um yeah he talked about like the stories don't make the stories and and from week to week didn't match up, didn't make sense. Um, and he was saying stuff that as a heel or whatever else was, was just weak. So he talked about how basically his fight was, he's, you know, he was basically fighting to try to get something to make some damn sense, which I don't, I don't really see the issue with that. Um, and you, you have heard stuff like that from time to time, but like, Hell, the Bellas. Um, after Nikki uh, turned on Brie at SummerSlam 2014, oh, 14, she mentioned that at his, uh, I've seen this before on you, where she mentioned that they're both together. Mentioned like, so, like, I betrayed her. I wish she, I said that I wish she died in the womb and, like, she never gets a payoff on me. No. Right. Right. And it's like stuff like that. That everybody has stories like that. But Ambrose reached a point where, like, he was gone for months. And to me, it seems to me that he was in the company forever, so he does it, and things weren't as bad. And, um, things weren't as bad. He gets hurt. He starts watching wrestling around the world. He sees wrestling wrestling around. Like, wow, this shit's not discombobulated like our show is. Gets in it, and it's like it doesn't have to be this scatterbrained and not in you know in Okaka, you know. So, um. I think he was like, he was like, yo, this is not what the rest of the world is doing, and this is supposed to. We have all these resources. Why are we putting out worse product with better resources than, uh, you know, plus plus, plus X, Y, and Z? Because he mentioned like, I watch Ring on, I watch Impact, I watch, you know, uh, New Japan. And he said he watched some of the old stuff, and he's like, what's 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 missing here? And so 
you go from that part where he starts saying he rewatches stuff, regain the love of wrestling, and realize like, I don't really want to do sports entertainment too much no more. Yeah, and he talked about uh, AEW is like completely different, and it seems to be a place where uh, wrestlers are going to uh, have just so much more like of a chance to exercise their abilities to be wrestlers uh he talked about having the ability to cut promos and talk people into the building uh he learned those skills a long time ago and he never got a chance to display those he talked about how he felt like in 10 minutes in AEW, he did more than he did in the last six months in wwe he basically was just you know talking you know more you know and with the jericho thing it was like it was, it was such an atomic bomb and just such a confirmation uh, of everything and he, this dude did it quote unquote the right way and he 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 said he um you know that that promo at the end he thought it was an ambush so he says himself to protect himself the whole thing like the million dollar man didn't get his way essentially we were talking about vince i, I saved my money and i'm cashing out and he talked about how they only gave him five hundred dollars uh for the last shield shows and he never understood oh, yeah. why they did this this weird ass press release talking about how you know they hope he hopes you know they hope he comes back and uh, they they roll out the fucking red carpet and make him say goodbye a million times and uh, the crazy thing was Dean Ambrose like they were trying to make him say goodbye to all the fans but he was not saying goodbye to all the fans he was saying goodbye to y'all like y'all it was like they were in denial as much as their their <laughs> their ridiculous fans are uh, that were in denial about this shit it was like. Yo, they they wanted to control the narrative around this guy. And just like they want to control the narrative for Saudi Arabia and pretty much everything else they put out. If Dean, like, John Moxley didn't understand this, and I'm probably going to call him Dean Ambrose for a while just because it's drilled at this point. But uh, I'm going to try to say Moxley as much as right. possible, so bear with Branding, me. pal. Yeah. Um, so Moxley, like, he if he didn't understand it, like that's crazy. Like, <laughs> like it was like he was like, oh, it's like right. this glowing review, like that that he got. He talked about you know the the burying with Nia Jax. He didn't have an issue doing that, but he knew why it was happening. Um, and you know Vince McMahon just being a total like complete absent-minded individual when uh, he actually gives in his notice. Dean knew he was gone in July of 2018, essentially. He hated the inoculations and everything else. It's um, it, it's just amazing. He was like, you know, Vince started baby-facing him. He's like, oh, I understand you gave your notice. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, you know, and then Vince tries to justify it to himself. And he was like, I wish you would have told me. And, and it's almost like, motherfucker, like, like he walked in the office all the time to tell you, like, he wasn't happy with this shit. How are you surprised? Why do you not know? Learn the lesson. Like, <laughs> as we say on this show, but um, he talked about the depression he would get knowing he had to go to fucking work on Monday. And it was just like, he didn't need to be there anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he got yeah. a sick feeling in his yeah, stomach. And- yeah, man, it's... It's nuts. And, and he talked about that last, uh, that, that interview he did with Hunter, which gave us the great meme of Ambrose getting out the ring, what that looked like. You know, sorry, motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> and he he had it in his, he thought it was a setup. So, uh, and, and I tr- attribute that to Ambrose being kind of an old school guy. 
And he was like, yeah, man, uh, they had me with a mic and I was ready. You know, I had bullets in the chamber ready for, for a shoot like, <laughs> like with him. So, and it was just, it was crazy, man. Like the, the whole thing with them, like he, you know, Jericho talked about Stockholm syndrome with, with a lot of the wrestlers and different stuff <laughs> like that. And they, and they literally paint AEW as the brave new world. Like, like they're in color, uh, in, in the wizard of Oz and shit. Like, <laughs> I loved it. I, I wanted to crush it up and snort it. This podcast was everything. Wow. So, yeah. So, I, I think one of my favorite ones that you, you touched on it was the fact that, like, his last match, he gets $500 for the match. And it's like, like, Dean Ambrose is probably getting, like, at that point in time, like, per match, on a per match basis. Like, he was, he was getting paid, like, what? Some like fifteen fifteen thousand dollars a match on a per match basis back like for the last like four years or so something like that for him. Right. So of course that's kind of a, like uh one of those okay, oh, I okay. It's like that that Drake. I know what this is. <laughs> yep, I know so what this is. They they messed with him and yeah. So I mean whatever. Like I um I mean I I think I said to you. Um, not too long ago, that I think that like eventually he'll come back just for the you know the going to WWE Hall of Fame and the you know the Shield reunion thing and trying to make him like a new like a DX thing or whatever at some point you know five ten fifteen twenty years from now. But I think that's still there. But you know uh, it'll be very much like uh, Warrior whoever else, whereas like Triple H has to stand a hand for that one. Um, for 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 that sort of thing, and then like, you know, they'll bring the cameras around, and it'll just like a warrior. They'll bring warrior out there to, to go you know, shake hands with Hogan. I'm not Hogan, but uh, Vince, and then they'll, you know, they have, you know, the cameras around, so it's all copacetic. Meanwhile, like, okay, sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, that, I, it's I, really a sad thing that like someone that was somebody. That, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't think that's gonna happen to uh, Moxley's about 50 years old. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be something that's definitely like 15, 20 years down the line. I mean, but luckily, I mean, not luckily, but you know, 15, 20 years online, we expect that Triple H is gonna be a person that's gonna be in charge of that. And like, I mean, he's always he's always proved to be someone that has more open um and reaching out than than uh than Vince has. Uh so yeah, I um I mean the whole thing is just bad for 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 Vince. And then like another part about it is crazy is Jericho Mitch is um as hinted at this and Meltzer has hinted at this and like the inquiries about what's outside of WWE from the actual inside talent and and also in within NXT fucking growing like yeah it's like this like man the rats trying to get off the ship bro like like somebody I feel like somebody knows something like. Like they know something like th- this money isn't gonna that's about to come in from the TV deals not gonna insulate them forever and it's not it is gonna be no guarantee because they are going to have to I, pull I, ratings and there's not enough spots. I think, th- I think the thing is that right, you're right, you're right. It's you hoarded so much talent. The game theory, I mean, that's it's separate things, right? The game theory is that the more people, you, the more bodies you have for this means that there is less TV time and opportunity to become a star and thereby have less opportunities to sell shirts, 
to get your two your two point seven percent on DVDs, as, as Ambrose said it. Right. So that there is a is a problem, right? Especially because they're not gonna do nothing with most of these motherfuckers. Then you get into the point of the TV is worse than it's ever been. Like it'd be one it'd be one thing, and it probably even it, or it would be more damning if this was Ambrose saying this stuff. You know, hell, even in two thousand seventeen, it'd be worse. Right? This is like what is what what is this like? You know, um. But, <clears throat> sorry, um, but it, it is really bad. To, like, I mean, all this means is everybody, if Dean Ambrose has stories, if Roman, if Dean Ambrose has stories about Roman Reigns getting fucked over with the, with the suffering suck attaching and he couldn't get out of it, then you know, you know. And we talk about this with, with Roman Reigns when they're fucking around with his push and they bust his head and beat him with a, with a fucking, to be a, a work the actual shooter you're supposed to think it's a shoot and he gets beaten with his uh with a fake ass finishing move if if they can't take care of roman reigns they can't take care of anybody and yep. then lower you lower you go everybody else is going to be even more creatively un uh unfulfilled and yeah sure it is a job but this also is a this also is a time where we have more options for everybody because of the internet because of overseas where before, like, if you wanted to become a quote, if you wanted to become a a, a, a grapple superstar in America, you kind of had to be here. Now, not so much. Like, if you got to drive forward, you you um, the, uh, you know, the hardcores who else have respect for you, you can go get yourself booked on PWG. You can go uh, to AAW. Right, you can you know you could go and take your ass over to um oh my god uh, over to Rev Pro or all the the British Indies or whatever else and and, and and go for it. Right, you can you can go through a run where you can wrestle you know you can you know stay for a month and work work like twelve dates in in um in Tokyo if you wanted to. It's it is what it is now. So people are like, look, man. Am I gonna do this and I can, you know, you know, put on and kind of, you know, be at fulfilled in some way, in a way that I probably not here, or am I just gonna sit on a bunch of money? And the thing is, it seems like we're at a point where like the money outside from the rest of the world is getting good enough to where like people are starting to say, I what what I'm gonna do with what I'm gonna do with you know his stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you brought dollars. that up. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh he said uh Moxley said he didn't even look at the last contract that was offered to him, which is just a further fuck you to uh, WWE and you know, yeah. and, and the sympathizers and, and everything like that. It's like, yo, I got all the I got all the money I need. My truck's paid off, my house is paid off, my mother's house is paid off. You know, and obviously you get in that situation from having a lot of money, like where you feel like money doesn't mean everything there. But this guy, right. it doesn't seem like he was motivated by money ever. Because when he was a huge like indie star back then, he was doing that. He was making at most a hundred dollars a night. He said, like you know, according, I think it was on a Wade Keller deal. So it was like this dude would do this if he was broke. Yeah, and another thing is, I think another part of that in this new generation is, as I mentioned, as far as the artistic part is, that part of like, <sighs> I've been broke before. Like, I've been broke before. I've, you know, you talk the, the story with Gargano is like, <laughs> like until he got married, he probably like shared a bed with Ricochet more than he ever did with Candice. Damn. So, like, 
you know, like that's 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 telling it like these people are all okay and like live that life and they did that for years, years to get here, right? So when you got when you look around and you look up and you see it like, oh yeah, like Bandito got paid, Roosh got paid, you know, like people, you know, Jericho got a good offer from um from Impact. People aren't scared no more. Yeah. I remember the let's let's read to be scared if you are a person that did this and went through that the indies or had some type of indie experience or whatever else or worked small before you ever before being like somebody that got picked up from a couple of dates because you had the look or whatever else or you went to the combine and did a tryout and or went to the or you know the, the PC combine or whatever and they, and they picked you like so and there's no not against getting picked that way like I don't care what background you come from. Honestly, I would love for uh, there to be more uh, of the PC guys to, to work to to get be given license to, you know, almost go like the the Tony Storm Matt Riddle route, where like there's somebody that WWE has their eyes on, and they're also going to like kind of guide you around trying to go elsewhere because they see something in you besides just sitting there and and in the for lack of a better word the the the, the, uh, the, the power plant yeah. just just collecting dust and getting you know. You know, uh, you know, like fifty matches over two years, some shit like there's some ridiculous <laughs> shit like that. So, I, you know, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Like I'm, or you know, really probably more like fifty matches in a year. But yeah, so I think that's the better approach. Like I don't care where you come from, I don't care about your background. Can you work? Can you be a compelling um, personality? And right now, right now, the compelling personality thing is something that just almost does not exist. Unless it comes by or comes by a total accident, like the Becky thing. Then, of course, you know he did the follow up uh, with with Wade Keller, which dropped Saturday night. Uh, and then there was also a print interview that came out. You guys can seek that one out. He tweeted it out. Uh, I do want to talk about the Wade Keller interview a little bit. He said he was essentially cutting the podcast in his head for months, driving up and down the road, uh, and he felt like he needed to shine a spotlight on what's really going on backstage at WWE. It's funny, he then said fans think they know, people like Keller think they know, but they don't really know, but we do really know, John, because we've been (laughs) saying all these things. Uh, It's just how it seems. Like I don't think they realize realize the value of what they actually put out. Well, hold on. What I will say is this: He is right. We we there's. I, I think the way what he really meant to say was like, or or what he really is trying to get at anyway is that we may know or we may have read, but like it's different from. It, we don't know everything. We know some things. We don't know everything. And I think that's he didn't say that, but that's how I'm taking it. Is like, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that's the fair approach. Is like, yeah, we get stories and reports. It's like how we get stories and reports about. You know, Draymond Green calling uh, Durant on the phone after they lost the finals and shit like that, right? Like we weren't in. Like, granted, we were. We did not hear that conversation, but we we have an idea of how the conversation went, and we realized there was a conversation to happen, and we saw that he shows up in uh, Golden State. And that's. I mean, I don't know if we need more context than that. I think that's a good enough story. I think that's good enough to know right there. Huh. But, um, but yeah, like I I think that this is really helpful because for someone like him to do this. Unless it, it's, it's for let you know, and I, I mean I can't wait to one of these, to one of these like uh, one of the women like one of the top women might do one of these things, and like these are like the new. I shoot can't interviews. wait! I can't wait for like, the, the Sasha Banks the Jericho podcast is the new shoot interview. Yes, 
because obviously Jericho can't ever talk to the WWE folks anymore. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and they, all those folks end up on ENC or Lillian's podcast or whatever. So, and they're never going to go there on that, on those shows. <laughs> I can't wait for the Sasha Banks one. When she talks about Alexa bliss. Oh my God. It's oh gonna, my God. I can't wait. Woo! Hook it up to the veins. Um, you know, there were more stuff. Uh, he talked about why more wrestlers don't go off script, and he confirmed that he did it before, and, like, people were literally chasing him. Vince McMahon was chasing him down the hallway for, for yelling at him for going off off script, and he said the reason that the wrestlers don't do it is, isn't because the wrestlers are afraid of getting fired. It's like there's a writer producing that segment, and they'll get fired, and they have a mortgage, and they have a family and everything like that. And he said that kind of creates a weird dynamic with the wrestlers and the writers, he didn't. He doesn't think writers should exist yeah. in wrestling, and right. <laughs> and oh, yeah. another part about that when we talk about the melts or not the melts. I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind. Um, when we talk about like the Austin thing, where Austin said we're wrestling on your laurels and you need to stand out and you need to tell Vince no and do it your way because you have the live mic and all the other shit. Like, okay, how would I work off a big cast when he beat that small person last year? <laughs> he was gone like a month and a half later. Like they kept him around. They had him lose. They had him get stretched by, or basically stretched by Daniel Bryan, and then they got rid of him. Why? Because he told him not to do that, even though he asked to do it because he knew that that would get more heat. Because duh, and he went and did it, and he, now he's Kaz XL, and he's hanging out with Enzo again. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, he talked about um, you know Vince McMahon. He's not really sure if Vince is actually a wrestling fan. Like he sees like a blow away match or something. He he's like if you're working over the leg, like he likes that stuff. And and you can tell by these matches that are designed. <laughs> um, he talks about the pre his pre debut uh, with with Mick Foley and what was supposed to happen, uh, but Foley was injured and couldn't get cleared. Thought it was gonna be the greatest angle of all time in his debut and everything. And but he didn't know it then, but they would have fucked it up because they would have handed them both scripts. And then, <laughs> like, it, it, it's crazy, like, how all that played out. Um, they, none of the, he talked about his debut, uh, or excuse me, the first promo with The Shield. He said they got backstage after the promo. They were all hyped up, and their adrenaline was running. And once the dust settled, they realized none of them understood what they said in the ring. And a funny thing with The Shield always was like, well, what are they like they, they just said injustice we're against injustice but but you never really like they kind of applied that across the board and it was like okay uh you know the shield of injustice all right um yeah and you know vince he, he says vince is always what all always what he's been but the world around him has changed and in 2019 <laughs> vince doesn't know what the fuck is going on anymore in those words? And he's exactly correct. It's, you know, he, he talked about, you know, being over enough. And he talked about, uh, you know, his his lack of resentment towards Roman Reigns because of their relationship. He knew he had a stronger crowd connection uh, with the fans. And you guys can just go through the through the uh, document. Uh, I, I want to say when I was watching, uh, re-watching the 2015 Royal Rumble for Dave Fenichel last year, and this is like when you when you watch that, the only other person that's getting cheered at the end is Ambrose. And yeah, yeah. 
2016, of course, when he's in the final two and people are going nuts and want him to win and become the guy. He doesn't get it. The whole the whole time going into WrestleMania 32, that's the window that they just missed. And yep. he he was the fucking dude. Like he would like like people liked him. They didn't see it that way. And he was, it, it feels like Oh, he was the dude. Isn't like this. A person has the buzz right now, so run with the hot hand. In the same way that, like, the very next year it was Strowman, right? So, or the or like the year be- or later in the year, um, it turned into AJ. It was like the people get hot, and there's and there's really nothing in the way right now. To, there's not like a, there's a John Cena right now to where he's like, all right, John's always gonna be on top. Or even if there's John's always gonna be top, like. You can always make him the CM Punk number two or the or the one B or whatever you want to call it. They never they don't do that anymore. Like they they I don't know why I don't know what happens I don't know if they just let go of the rope or they lose focus on people because they're so attention they're so attention bound or so focused on trying to um, get Roman Reigns uh, to the next level for like the forty fifth thousandth time. <laughs> but that's that's kind of where it is. And it's it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating to watch. And like, in this, in the voice of what it's like. Imagine living it. It's like, I get you, I get you. Yeah, he talked about the overexposure um, <laughs> that that goes on there, and it's just like Jesus Christ. Like the 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 Keller interview was even crazier because it's just a follow up to the Jericho one, and he. He he was a dude. It it kind of feels like stunning Steve Austin leaving WCW right now <laughs> and going to ECW and being like, you know, Dusty Rhodes that night is not meant for you, baby, and all that shit. And and it feels like this dude knows he can he, what what he has. He knows the, his ability to connect with people is through his words, and they took his biggest strength away from him. So yeah. no, no matter how much, like if you don't necessarily dig his wrestling style or anything like that, what's going to attract people to him. And it's already happening are his words and his memory and, and his wit. And I think wrestling needs more of that. Like we've, for the last like three years we've gushed about the match quality and everything like that right but i've almost kind of come to the point where it's like yo like kenny's my favorite guy i love okada i love gargano i love all these guys and it's like yo every other month is going to be a five-star match and i love it don't get it twisted but like when there's nothing that's going to compel you more than the voice than, than someone talking to you to someone letting you know how they feel and just falling into that. And when it happens the right way, you can't beat that. But WWE's problem is that they cannot, no one has a voice there. Yeah. Um, pretty much. I mean, I think one of the most te- uh, telling things is that like you look at what the, uh, the run up to the, the, uh, Oh my God, the Saudi show, the second Saudi show, the one that was, Oh, uh, Crown Jewel. Like, Crown the stuff they were Jewel. doing. 
<laughs> so like the stuff between that and Super Showdown, the build towards the the Undertaker, the last Undertaker and Triple H match we'll ever see allegedly in the you know the Shawn Michaels tag or the DX versus Brothers of Destruction match is how because those guys that have been around for 20 plus years with the company and one is, you know, second in command and, you know, the, like all the stuff they were allowed to say each other and, and that, you know, just would not be allowed for other people like for the regular roster. And it's like, there's a reason why. And we talked about it. Like why in the world are like these old guys washing the new guys is because the old guys get to go out there and be parts of themselves as, as opposed to, Roman has to say "suck for you, suck attached." A phrase I'm sure yes. he never said. He never ever said before, or and I'm sure he's never said again unless he was muttering it in just disgust. Because it it began to define what then shaped the rest of his career as a babyface that does get the reaction he should be getting. Because Vince doesn't know how to make doesn't know how to make heroes anymore. Ultimately, it comes down to Vince McMahon not getting it, and yep. he pointed the gun at him all week, and yep. it's just like. It's validation, it's confirmation, it's any other kind of Asian um, that that you want to come up with. And ironically, the second part of the podcast, James, just dropped as we're recording right now. <laughs> so, okay, so what do you want to do? Do you so, want to drop it, we listen to it, and come back? Or oh, my gosh. No, so we, I, I think we can still get another week out of this. Like... <laughs> You know, oh, as part of our AEW coverage here on One Nation Radio. Um, but yeah, this like, we we still got some more stuff to get to. But I okay. highly encourage uh, everyone uh, to, if you haven't heard it, and I'm sure you got to be under a rock at this point to not have heard at least the Jericho one. But check out the Wade Keller one, and definitely check out that part two of the Wade Keller one. They are up for free. You are going to have to wade through some advertisements, so get your skip 30 seconds ahead button ready because the the Wade Keller show was about oh 14 God. minutes until it got in, so he loaded that motherfucker up. Like, if you think that the Jericho, like, people were talking about the Jericho ads because of how, like, funny them shits were. Like, they were clearly, like, he's punching in to this audio. Like, he's clearly, like, from what you can tell, I listen to the show is He's at Ambrose's house. At one point, Renee uh, sticks her head around and she goes, "Hey, Renee," and I'm like, "Oh, bro, you make her block hot." What yes, you doing? Yes. But, but anyway, so you clearly tell that like they were having a conversation that was recorded for like roughly two hours, and then like it got edited up, and then they're like, "All right, punching here, 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 and here." And then, like, I thought it was – I don't know if it was on purpose. I thought it was a rib when uh, he talked about the pooper scooper, how he had to fight all day and long to make sure that Vince didn't see pooper scooper because he was afraid of him saying, I'm not going to come out here in this pooper scooper. And then, like, the next week, that man's going to come out here and have and have the pooper scooper for real on deck because that's a noun. He told you. Vince will, Vince will turn a noun into a prop real quick. So, like, from there to the, – pooper scooper thing also next thing is like he's talking about uh kitty litter and i was like okay okay jericho this has to be a rib this has to be a little jokey joke he's like uh he's talking about it's almost like he was making that ad and like thinking that vince is gonna listen to it he's like god damn it you i i don't know what vince damn that ambrose and all of a sudden he's like kitty litter <laughs> shit <laughs> I, I i don't know what vince is gonna listen to but you know, I think you should check out powerslam.tv, you know, that with over 5,000 hours of independent wrestling, you know, 
Yes, but Wade Keller, dude, I was I was out here mashing. I was like, I actually had my phone after like the third one because it felt like it was every five minutes. And you know, I listen on. Uh, I slowed it down speed. to one. I slowed it down just to take it all in. No, I, I I had shit to do, so I so I put it. I was at two speed, and I was like, why Why does it feel like every few minutes I have the? I, I, at one point, like after like the third time, like I literally just kept my phone in my hand while listening, and just kept. Yeah. Just every time, because it's like, yo, Keller, like, you, I understand, bro, but, like, damn, bro, like, you really had to milk this joint. And then the best part was, he's like, you know, if you have a subscription, a VIP subscription. <laughs> I thought about getting one. No time. commercials. I was like, boy, you are, you are the goddamn Pandora Hustler. YouTube devil. Hustler. Absolutely. I can't not to hustle, though. Like, Wade Keller, like, did this, this reporting back in January, and he got the first interview. He can handle it how he wants. Um... Yeah, but uh, moving on, we're, we're, we're going to take a short break, uh, and we'll be back with a review of NXT TakeOver 25, Bridgeport, Connecticut. All right, we are back uh, after a couple minutes, which you guys did not hear because of the power of editing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last night was NXT TakeOver 25, uh, TakeOver Connecticut. Uh you know, they were out there in northern Alabama. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know where the fuck. Like, I'm from up there. I don't know where the fuck, uh, like, uh, they were at in Connecticut. Oh, okay. They were in Bridgeport. Okay. I, I know where that is. Um, oh, my God. But fuck, yeah. They, they went to Connecticut for this. Um, I wonder why. They, I wonder why they, they chose Connecticut. Of all well, remember, places. like, okay, so... This particular okay, so you go through the NXT cycles from um, recently, like from after Brooklyn to get to War Games. It was all about who done it, who laid out Aleister Black. Then you go from uh, Takeover uh, Phoenix. I'm sorry, from from War Games to Phoenix. It's it's more about like is Johnny and 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 uh, your boy are they like coming around like to each other? What, what what's going on here? And then it was all leading to the tag, the tag classic, and then the eventual like, okay, yeah, we're we, I, I turn on you. I'm actually going coming after your title because I realized you were gaslighting me all this time. So this one was, is undisputed going to break up? Uh huh. This whole cycle from from New York to 25 was are, are undisputed going to break up? Boy, so, I called that one quick, didn't I? <laughs> so, um. You know, that whole time, that was a storyline, but they had the tapings, and then the date was kind of tentatively in place for to go to San Jose for 25 because um, WrestleMania 31, um, they had a house show for NXT, and it sold, like, thousands of tickets, and that was when they got the idea to... And that was the inspiration for the first take for Brooklyn. That was the inspiration for Brooklyn. So... um. Because you know, I think the I think the main event match for that was was Sasha versus Charlotte, and it was so electric that they were like, "Oh, we actually do have something for like." It's not just they're putting on good matches; like these are just like the most compelling people in developmental. These actual stars, and then Vince decided to put the women's um, revolution evolution branding on it, and then just treat it as the same thing they does the main roster except it's with women. So, anyway. uh so once the Saudi Arabia thing, like the date got set, that's that messed them up because they were supposed to be doing a takeover next weekend. 
That's right. So it, like it was supposed to be quote unquote the day after um what would have been um what would have been uh the the greatest or sorry uh, the greatest super showdown whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Saudi, Saudi Arabia 3. So Blood Money said, 3. We don't want to we don't want it to come on at yeah, Blood Money 3. <laughs> so they didn't want to come on after because they always have to where the the close of it of the of a weekend or whatever else for is always the main roster and they don't want like you know people to watch back to back and then get washed right so um or more than usual so uh they said all right we got to change that date and where can we find a venue and they just came up on bridgeport connecticut and this entire nhc cycle a lot of it suffered storytelling wise um because of what the main roster was doing or uh, like it. Oh wait, we had uh, the Royal Raiders. Oh wait, no, we don't anymore. Oh, and they're not called the War Raiders anymore. They're called the Viking experience. Oh wait, they're not the Viking experience. They're the Viking Raiders now. Okay. So do we have them? Are they doing both brands? Oh, they are. Oh, wait, no, they're not. Okay. They're gone. Wait. So we just like, they just defended the titles. Oh, so we got to build the people they just beat. Thanks. Great. Vince. Appreciate that. So, you got that. You got that ordeal, um, and with the Kyrie thing, we're like got put out of the sport. They, they, you know, like I don't know what the end game was as far as the as far as what they were planning on doing with Kyrie, but I do know this: she came up, and because there were talks about there were two people that were talks about they were going to be moved to the main roster pretty soon, and. One was uh, Alistair Black. Another one was, uh, I'm sorry, another one was Kyrie. And that was like back as far as, by all accounts, by as far as like Royal Rumble. So we, you know, we get to uh, TakeOver New York. And after TakeOver New York, they do a new show open. You know, showing the entire roster and this is what they do. And, you know, we're trying to showcase our stars in front of the show. Kyrie Sane's on it. Yeah. But two days later, I'm sorry, well, two days later after WrestleMania, Kyrie Sane debuts. And then the next day, she's also on the show open for the new takeover, which means, like, clearly they thought that she was staying back for releasing another cycle. What the fuck's going on? So a whole bunch of stuff got moved around and mixed up. And, like, this, honestly, this cycle of television – Aside from, um, you know, the storyline of how they got Kyrie, how they got Kyrie off of TV, and the reason why EO's on a warpath against them, and um, the stories between like Riddle and Gargano involved with Undisputed, as Undisputed seems to be fraying apart at the seams, and then they reconnect at the end. Like that was really the two main things that really worked as far as for this show on their television leading up to this. The other stuff, um, you know, the injury to Dijak, they had to switch up and go with, with uh, um, oh, my God, Tyler Breeze. Breeze. Yep. Yeah. The tag match stuff was always never just never really well, well thought out, but whatever. Um, so then we get the show, and I really liked the show. I didn't love it like I loved previous takeovers, but I don't know. Like, what, what are your – general thoughts before we go match by match so on you know the takeovers like these things are super competitive they're super like they're not only competitive like among each other like show versus show it's like mm-hmm. competitive as who gets the matches on the show so yeah. it was like uh I, I don't think we got a pantheon uh level show which would have been like 
you know, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, New York, Phoenix, or War Games last year, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't think we got that. I think we got something that's just right on the under, right on the level below. Still a great show. Still an all-time show. Uh, I rated the matches as such. Uh, of course, you know, the natural comparisons are to Double or Nothing. I don't think it was Double or Nothing like is the way it made me feel as a fan, but I like the wrestling on, on this uh, show a lot more. Uh, and, you know, when you start talking about, you know, some of the stuff that happened with the women's match that didn't quite click or some, some of the, um, you know, like – I think that's really the the only real one that I, I would probably say uh, the the four way didn't quite click all the way, but um, yeah, I, I I thought this was a great show as well, and it was an interesting show because I feel like I feel like there are some things that are being set up, and I feel like there are some things that are just stopped dead in their tracks, like Shayna, and I've joked she's not allowed to call up be called up to the main roster. I've never said why, but clearly, um, <laughs> we all, we, I mean, I don't think we need to like explicitly say why, but I mean, you kind of have an idea. Yeah. And, and, and it's besides just the age because Mickey James is like a little older than her, I think. Right. And she's just not allowed to be there. So, um, but yeah, like I, I thought this was like, I really enjoyed it. It was compact and I, I think takeovers are going to, um, benefit even with, uh, AEW putting on great shows. There's always potential for something not to go right at some of those points and takeovers master mastered their formula by this point. It's five matches, no matter what. And it's competitive as hell to get on that card. And when you're on that card, you have to come through and, I don't think Tyler Breeze did that. Um, And Tyler Breeze has his own, you know, his own career trajectory. It's better than what he was doing on the main roster. Let's not get it fucked up. Like, it wasn't like it was some kind of, you know, dud or anything he had. Um, I I think, you know, that match and then the the EO and Shayna match, it it prevented this from going to the top tier. But um, when you're talking about the main event, it's probably my match of the year uh, in WWE thus far and maybe worldwide. And it was just like, really? Yeah, bro. I love that match last night. Um, you thought, so uh, you it, had okay, it. it's not better than Kenny Tanahashi. Let me stop. That's what I was uh, getting. I was like, really? <laughs> like, okay. Uh, and also I, I think on that same level is like Jay White Okada. So, um, okay. So I, I kind of look at those like you got your Kenny Tanahashi, then those two are like you know kind of battling. What about like Omega? Uh, I'm sorry, Okada Ishi from uh, the final of um, or sorry, the semifinal of the uh, New Japan Cup. I probably have that in the next here below. Okay. Yeah, and oh. but it was um, yeah. I thought I think Adam Cole has silenced everyone forever, and. I was kind of, and, yeah. and after these last like two performances, seeing how over this guy is, and it's like. I understand now, and I didn't for a while, and I feel like this, I don't want to pat myself on the back for, like, coming around on people, but I feel like, you know, when we ask these things of these people and wonder why, and we have questions, they're valid questions. It's like, all right, when is Jay White going to wrestle at a main event level? Oh, it finally happened. Okay, I'm not tripping on him anymore. Okay, when is Cody going to start stepping up? Okay, I'm not tripping on him anymore. Then Mm -hmm. now, like, is Adam Adam Cole's turn for us to to come around and be like, yo, 
you like you look you weren't just a guy in there making the the dude look good you were looking good too so (laughs) so uh, and johnny like can can we just say it i mean i think i think we started asking because we actually went through after someone talked about this um on in the social suplex uh collaborative thread or whatever you want to call it I mean, at this point, should we just call it the thread because we've referenced it so much? Yeah. <laughs> um, we're on the on the social suplex thread. Um, I forget, I think it might have been Tom, or it was either, it was or Rob. maybe it was Rob. But he was like, "Is he the is is he the greatest in ring performer in WWE history?" And my response was like, "That was a question that should have been asked like four months ago, <laughs> like you know, after the uh, after the Phoenix match with Ricochet." And honestly. I went back and because because I remember he mopped up him and Becky Lynch both mopped up in a One Nation um, Radio Awards. So you know, I went back and you actually said it for in ring performer of the year when he won it. You said like somebody that's in the discussion. You said that on New Year's Eve, Rich. <laughs> right. So like we've been t- we've been talking about this now. At this point, it's like he just run up the score. <laughs> he yeah. just run up the score now. At this point, like he is going to have at this point what. Uh, what have four official five star matches and you know whatever I mean it is what it is but um and all the stuff about Melzer and NLBO now that we got that past that we've we moved past that point he's gonna have that how many has the main roster had ever what five six yeah something like that like, what is it okay let's see it's uh both what the ladder match right right WrestleMania ten did uh the cage match, match on on in 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 uh, Brett right hell in a cell. Hell in the Cell, the submission match for WrestleMania 13. Yep. Right? Um, you said you mentioned the first Hell in the Cell, right? Yeah. Was there another one between then and Money in the Bank? WrestleMania uh, 25. Oh, no. Nope. 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 Yeah, it was not five stars. Um, it, it should have been, but it didn't. Um, they've got and then, CM Punk and John Cena. Yeah, so that's it, right? Yeah, I, that's think, the, I think that's it. So he has as many five star matches as the entire history of the main roster. Now, granted, like some of those Undertaker uh, WrestleMania matches should have been five stars. You know, whatever it, it is, what it is. But like that's kind of what we're talking about right now. Like, and you know, the conversation came up. Is like, all right, do I think he's the best entering performer in the company ever? No, I don't even think he's the best entering performer in the company right now. I think Andrade's a better. Like top or a uh, more complete, more spectacular, perf- more talented performer than Johnny is. I'll say this but, about Andrade, and I was talking about this with Josh. It's like I'll put Andrade up against anyone ever in WWE, ever. I mean, like just when you talk, because I I think wait 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 that's ever been in, in that's, that's ever, ever hold, on, hold on hold on that's ever been in um WWE or their tenure or like their peak at their tenure that's ever been in WWE. Like so, what like I'm talent is, wise, like and like because there, there's talent versus output that we're talking about and opportunity. No, I'm Those are I'm like, about, like, yeah. So you think, for example, wait, so 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 I'm, let me. I'm, I'm confused. I've asked you my ask one question. Do you think that Andrade is more talent than any person that has ever been on a roster at any point ever, or do you saying that like at his peak, his peak as a as a performer or talent is higher than anybody's level? than when they were in WWE. I think he's as good as anyone to ever, like, anyone to ever wrestle at a top level, he can match it or be better. 
Wow. So you think he's re- so you think he's more talented than like I don't know Eddie Benoit Angle Sean. I think he's right there with all of them. Okay. I mean, I, I would I would go for right there with him, but I'm just like, dude, like, <laughs> like, like Eddie when. <laughs> You know, Ray, like, those dudes are crazy. I mean, he's on that level as far as, like, he just doesn't have the, at least in WWE, he hasn't had the opportunity to do it as often. But, yeah, I agree. Like, those Johnny and and Andrade matches are, like, some of the best fucking wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life. And they're not, like, drop each other on their fucking necks or or, or higher on their necks or on their head. They're not, you know, concussing each other either. Like, it's just clean, flat-out wrestling. Except, like, you know, the knees up against the posts. And all but that shit worked though. Like, <laughs> I know, you know, yeah, yeah. Was, okay, okay, you joking? All right, I'm just saying. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. So like, but Gargano's output is just gonna like it's gonna be crazy, and you know, yeah. I, he's I gonna joke. be like uh, Fifty Cent talking about Jay Z. He's like, like the, the the consistency just breaks your neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is like man. Where does Johnny go from here? And it's like, does he go to the main roster? Or do we start trying to figure out when his contract's up? Man, I've been trying to figure that out since what? What, uh, since... What, since Philly? I've been trying to figure that out, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and that was a huge conversation. Is like, back then, it was like, after this match between Gargano and Almas, is Johnny, like, the next guy that could be the top star? That could be the top guy? And we all came to the same conclusion immediately. Like, no, he's too small. And it's not because he's too small uh, to draw people in and, and business and believe in him and um, want to watch his, his promos and his matches and his um, television time. It's that he's too small for it to work in this man's wrestling circus. So um, ever since then, I've been thinking, like, you know, every, whenever he like – Maybe it could work because the talent is so incredible, and the and the thought that's put into his match is so incredible, and he's he's a good promo. But I'm I'm not holding my breath on him becoming a star in as a singles act in 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 the company. And when they brought him and uh, Chomp up together as a tag team to do DIY thing, I thought, okay, we've seen previously times where they brought up NXT years and. Um, they've kind of forgotten what got them over in the first place to in the lab and they Vince, you know, too long to, or sorry, too long didn't read, you know, try to recreate what he thinks, pe- what connected people to them. So I thought, all right, you know what? They brought him as DIY. They didn't beat him. They beat a team much bigger than him in the bar. Maybe they actually do the DIY thing. They do Ciampa versus Gargano on the main roster, you know, and we'll go from there. Um, but Ciampa got hurt, and now it's singles, and you see what they're doing with Ricochet. And if they can fuck up Ricochet, they'll def- I'm like, I feel like if you fuck up Ricochet, you're definitely gonna fuck up with Johnny. Yeah. Am and- I am I wrong in, in feeling <laughs> that way? It's crazy. It's like I don't know if they're gonna like Ricochet's a much worse talker than him, but yes. it's like how can you fuck Ricochet up? Like I don't. But, he's spectac- but the thing, but the thing with Ricochet is. Yes, he's five nine, five eight. But the thing is, he's the most spectacular wrestler in the entire world. And like, um, from what I've heard, anyway, the women like them some Ricochet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can you fuck it up? 
Right, <laughs> right. Like he, you can't say, "Oh, he's some guy that can't work." Blah 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 blah. Because he's one of the best wrestlers in the entire world, one of the best wrestlers this country's ever produced. Can't say that. He's attractive, so a woman might want to, you know, take him down. <laughs> sure, tackle him. him. Sure, sure. We'll go with that. So it's like rip his shirt off on right, the way like, to the so, ring. So, okay, people, people want to fuck Ricochet. Well, Throw the box like, at him. People, <laughs> People want to fuck Ricochet. So because that is the case, it's like, all right, you can figure some stuff out with him or whatever else. Like this could be like a a a better packaged version of Neville. He's bigger than Neville. He wrestles at that same consistent level of he's one of the best in the world. And he ha- he has a great physique, but he's also more traditionally attractive. Okay, you got something there. He's a he's a 50-50 guy. It's putting over this a dude that's sad. almost in his forties. He's no look. Cesaro is somebody that should have gotten this shot five years ago, literally five years ago. He never got it. He's always they've always made him a tag team wrestler. He's one of the great tag wrestlers in the, in the company's history. He's how many different teams does he like with his partner have three come, come, came up to be a uh, consistent tag team staple of whatever division they were in at the time. Yeah, so three. I, I was asking rhetorically because, I, I mean, you know. <laughs> anyway, so, but they're putting him in a 50-50 thing with, with him, and it's like, the Bloom's already off the road with, with Cesaro. We know he can wrestle his ass off. We know that this dude, um, if you if you had tried it before, could have gotten something out of it. People, but people have kind of already given up hope, right? Like, I'm not saying it's as far going as Ziggler, but, like, is there was like, yeah, the window, you have missed the window. He's no and, longer open. Right, so... I mean, I don't, I, I don't, if they could do that with Ricochet, Johnny, who's smaller, I, God bless him, right? <laughs> yeah, God bless him. But let's go through this show, man. Uh, it was an electric opener with yep. Matt Riddle beating Roderick Strong. This was probably my most anticipated match of the night just because I'm such a mark for Matt Riddle and Roger Strong is vaulted up the list uh, of guys. It's just so physical and violent for such a small, fast-moving man. And I thought these two just beat the fuck out of each other. I went four and a half on this, and it was just like, this is how I'm I'm beginning to like wrestling. Like, this is like the style that I'm kind of enjoying the most. It's like real physical. It's, it's like a fight. And I think that's why I kind of like the Omega and Jericho match. It was like, it wasn't spectacular or anything, but it was like, it was a fight and it looked like it hurt and the better person won. Like, this is just what I liked. And uh, I think these two tore the house down, like, to, to begin. Yeah, I agree. Um, I... I... You know, I have a. Uh, I love Roddy. Um, I I still think that. I don't know, man. Like they, between um, undisputed with him and and O'Reilly, like they were such a great tag team because one guy is like the you know the MMA guy, the submission specialist type, and then the and they played each other well because like this guy, one guy's submission guy, and the other guy is like the striker and dude that like just just tears your back up all the time and just strikes the hell out of you and just you know br- tries to break you over break you over his knee all the time so like i t- then i tag in O'Reilly and O'Reilly can stretch you right <laughs> like, like he beats him up he makes you tap right that's kind of like the the, the the thought process I and mean, like to see Roddy like back as a single wrestler and you forget like this the, him and him and O'Reilly are both like two guys that are extremely overqualified for these jobs that they have yeah uh at, when they were a tag team right so 
it's it's cool to see that Roddy, you know, and also that match he had with Gargano a few weeks ago. Like it's it's really cool to see them back or see him like back as a singles guy and see him go out there and just just beat the hell out of people and get the hell beat out of him. And I mean Riddle, I mean at this point now, dude, I don't think there's really much I really enjoy much more in WWE, all of WWE than like that that span of I don't know, 90 seconds to a 30 to 90 seconds where like Riddle just decides, I'm just gonna beat the hell out of you and just and, <laughs> hey, just, throw you a, and just throw you about on your neck, on your on your shoulders, on your back, and I'm just gonna just strike the hell out of you. Like and I, kick like, you and I gotta trigger you, you, you he, and Yeah, it, it's just it's just great. Like I like the knees, just just constant, just just it, this excellent. Like this is probably, you know, after watching this match, I thought to myself, who else would I want to see my uh, Riddle or Roddy fight? You know, I love to see him. Also, I wanted him. I want them to bring back Aleister Black so he can have two matches with both of them. Yeah, I can't imagine how awesome Aleister Black versus Riddle will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, Riddle's a fucking superstar, and I think he's the next champion. Like, it's just some visceral. Like, because like this is because it's so simple in his approach, right? Like, there's no like. Granted, there's obviously, you know, cooperation. This isn't a fucking shoot. <laughs> but you look at, like, the Johnny like the Johnny and um, Cole match, and that match is fantastic. That's, that's probably the second best match I've seen this year because I don't watch as much New Japan as you. But still, it's something to be said as far as you go through all of those hoops and all of that to get there, and it took you 30 minutes. And another thing that was like, Okay, or even someone like Ricochet versus Pete Dunn, where he's like, this is so well wrestled, and they're just getting in and out of sequences and transitions, and they know each other, and everything's scouted, and they come up with these ideas that are just like out of this world as far as counters and stuff. It's another thing, which is like, these two, are they're going to do some of the choreography stuff, but like really what they're going to do is like, they're going to throw knees and, knees and forearms at each other, and then like between that, they'll throw each other around, Either on the either you know on their backs or against someone's knee on their back or or whatever else, and then we'll just you know we'll, we'll work body parts like oh I'm gonna work over your back and then I'm gonna put you in a in a in the freaking walls of Jericho yeah <laughs> um so it or the in the lion I'm sorry the uh, lion tamer it, it was just awesome to watch they just they just beat the hell out of you. and Riddle like that time where he just says I'm I'm pissed the piss Riddle is like the, one of the best like five the best two minutes of wrestling you can see. It's, yeah. He just is right now, uh, and you feel it in a gut. I'm sorry, my was like you feel it in a visceral way that like you don't feel it with like everybody else is like, oh, big move, big move, move me a kick out. I was supposed to like, dude, that looked like that hurt, right, <laughs> right. It looked like that hurt. Like, like I don't want to fight that guy. Like, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but up next, we had the four way ladder match for the vacant NXT tag team titles. Uh, the Street Profits, us. Winning the um, <laughs> NXT Tag Team Championships, uh, defeated Undisputed Era, Fish and O'Reilly, um, Cutler and Wesley Blake, the Forgotten Sons, and uh, Lorkin and Birch, who have kind of just seen better days. Um, but I went four stars on this. Uh, I thought it was trending higher because these people decided to just lay it on the line like damn near no one else has in the history of sport just falling on ladders falling off ladders throwing ladders around the wrong way not caring whether someone was there or not and it was just very dangerous Sheamus definitely would have gotten injured in this match um and my only thing I didn't like about about this match was 
the build around Jackson Riker for how long it took. And it was just like, oh, fuck. Here it goes. And this guy is beating everyone's ass. You can see he's balding. And he's just, like, turning around the camera. And it's like, hold on. Does this entire match exist to get Jackson Riker over? Like, that's that's what I was thinking to myself at, at one point. But right team won. They got it on track. They got him out of there. They threw ladders at him, but he kept getting up like he was fucking Jason Voorhees or something. And I was like, oh, my God. Is this their way of protecting him? Like, I, like, why are you here in the first place? Yeah, um, I would say that uh, on TV in the last week, they have put over that, like, he is a monster that you must, to lay out, you have to, you know, basically shooting with a damn uh, bazooka, right? But I don't think it was the right place or time for that because it wasn't his match in it, so what are you really showcasing? Right. If he was that fucking like, good, they would give him a fucking match. But they know that it's competitive for the, for these spots on these takeovers, and they can't waste uh, Jackson Riker coming out there and having a substandard match because it'll ruin, you know, everything about him. So, like, it's like right. you, bo- you bring this bullshit out here, and it's like, I'm not rocking with this. And the thing is, right, if you feel that strong about it, cool. Put him in the match. Tell Blake or Cutler to fuck off for, for, for tonight. Or bring them in later and put the belts and belt them. I'm not suggesting you do that. But if you feel the need that you need to showcase him that damn badly, then really showcase him. I don't need that in my match because it was really – I mean, he's had interactions with uh, – Birch and uh, Lorcan, he's had uh, interactions with uh, Undisputed. This really was only just last week's television. Uh-huh. So, like, yeah, it, it just it just felt like. And, and another thing is like they they shot an angle last on last Wednesday where Undisputed, all four of them, they they beat the hell out of him. They they uh, they had Cole and Roddy both throw him off the ramp to the floor. They beat up the rest of the tag teams. Then they see him get, and then uh, they're in the ring, all four members of Undisputed. They go to pose. They look over. They see Riker uh, getting back on the ramp. So Cole gets out the ring, lifts up uh, a ladder from underneath the ring, and all four of them use it as a battering ram to, to take the crash against his skull or whatever. Then they go to pose again. He gets on his hands and knees. So then they have to get the ladder again, and they they smash it down across his back and lay down. Then they hit their pose. So in theory, they took him off the table, right? You would think. So then they had to go through all that again. And that was just like that, that, that pulled attention away from the match in a way that wasn't really all that, um, that wasn't needed. So it was just like, they just threw this extra one. It was very main rosterish. It was very main rosterish. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, you know, we still got the moment where, you know, and, and you think about it now in retrospect, like we had the spear between the ladder from um, from Angelo Dawkins, and we got the end where Montez leapfrogs, I'm sorry, uh, springboards onto the ladder and does basically like the Bailey at Money in the Bank deal, except it's, it's, it's uh, just Cutler. It's not Mandy and Sonia. It's more of the same thing, except it's more, it's, it's, it's NXT, so that's more exciting. So it's a springboard that's yeah. climbing up the ladder. So. They got their mo- they got their two moments in, but it's like mm, next time don't do that. Yeah. And if they're gonna do it in the future, <laughs> don't do that. Like you could, there was, you have what um, 
Toronto too is in mid eight mid August. You have plenty. Of, you have how many sets of tapings? Maybe maybe three, maybe four before you have to get to next takeover. You can build him and all that, all all of that to get to that point. And if he doesn't have a match on the next fucking takeover, Jackson Riker, right? He's gonna be on the pre-show next uh, for take for Toronto too. You know that it's, it, it, it's such a fucking scam. I swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking scam. Like I, you know. Um. Anyway, I, I'll 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 leave my NXT is a scam uh, debate for another day. Um, Velveteen Dream uh, defeated Tyler Breeze to retain the North American title, and this was the battle of gimmicks. And th- I thought they had no chemistry. I thought they cut Tyler Breeze's nuts off after the match. And I'm like, where does he go from here? <laughs> um, I, when, when, when the Velveteen Dream hype gets really high, it's, oh, my God, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and all this stuff. And I'm like, slow it, slow it, because matches like this will happen. And, like, something will not go right. He's still a young guy. And when we say he's a young guy, he's legitimately a young guy, not that 26-year-old young. <laughs> he's like that 23-year-old young, the limited experience young, the not having enough matches under his belt young. And he does a lot of good things in the ring that, that get people to pop for him. But on takeovers, like I said, it is a competitive environment. And then when something comes out, and this was not a bad match, I, I gave it the gentleman's three. Um, but I thought there was more on the table for them. And I don't know if it was necessarily anyone's fault. I don't know if it was just Breeze has been on the main roster a long time. It's been a long time since he's worked a long match like this. And something's just not clicking all the way with his presentation yet. Like, he doesn't feel like he has all his mojo back that he once had. And it, the whole storyline of this was, was hilarious. How they just said, yeah, uh, the main roster fucked this dude completely up. And he turned to nothing. And now he's back. Uh, so, and uh, this was this was the low point of the night for me. Yeah. I, how do I say this? I, I just don't get the story of the match. What the hell was this? What the hell were they going for? Like the whole belt thing, I uh I don't I don't get it. Like I, I really hate I mean this happens from time to time in WWE where like they have this match where like the champion is has a or is taking quote unquote taking the easy way out or whatever else. And then the person goes after them and then they get the advantage and they continue wrestling. And then like, they just, they, they don't use it as an actual, they just use it as like something to do. They use it as a spot. I'm just like, for me, it's like, I don't. And then the whole belt thing. And, and then after all this stuff that, and then the post-match, I just don't get is like, he has big time him at every single point of this entire feud, Velveteen is big, big league. Uh, 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 Tyler Breeze, Breeze, Breeze. I keep. I don't know why. I want to call him for Breeze because of. <laughs> so at every single point, like he's done nothing but di- shown him disrespect and dismissed him. So why at the end of it are they taking sale se- a selfie? Especially when the inside an incident was Velveteen's being an asshole. And Breeze punches him in the face the first time they go for a selfie. 
why what was earned to where they now understand each other and respect each other to where they want to take a picture that they, that wasn't earned tonight and you know the match or whatever else i'm sure they have another match i'm i'm i'm, I'm sure everybody that watched that match and this or seen both of them previously feels that if they did another match it would be better than this one but whatever like there were no like botches or anything it just just times they were just off on stuff yeah. um and they yeah and it felt like they were just difference in like I guess philosophy, best for lack of a better word. Like, Dream wants to have this '90s um, WWE main or WWF main event type of style, um, and sometimes he even goes to the late '80s. But Breeze just was not going for it, and it, it seemed to be a clash at different points throughout the match. And um, I, you know, Dream, if Dreams is in there with somebody that's great, a great match. If he's in there with somebody that's not great, it's gonna be something. It may, it's probably be something below, and um, most of that match was just like, all right, we're gonna get to a point to where they start doing the kickouts or whatever else, and that's kind of has been the thing that's propped up these uh, and some of the ideas doing these um, near falls at the end have propelled and carried a lot of the weight um, and to build up to the end of these dream matches. Like the Riddle one was great, the one with Tommaso Ciampa at War Games was incredible. Um, but this one, it the the build up to it was so just weird that it just even and it wasn't as creative or spectacular as the stuff before in previous matches that that ending that that uh, climax that it just it just wasn't there. Yeah, and but they really tried, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, up next, uh, Shannon Baszler she submitted Io Shirai to retain the NXT Women's Championship, uh, winning via choke. And I thought it would be EO's time uh, tonight. It was not. And instead, she um, was a sore loser at the end and grabbed a kendo stick and beat the holy fuck out of Shannon Baszler. Seemed to signal that there's another match coming, perhaps with some type of stipulation, because we're going to have to, in order to get the belt off Shannon, you're going to have to use a weapon or several of them. And... Uh, I thought this was slow at times. I thought it was um, it was a well thought out match, but there was some there was something missing, and I don't feel like Io Shirai's been used to the best of her ability in a long time, if ever, in WWE. And she was wrestling; she was trying very hard, and I think they had a decent match. I gave this one; I went three and a quarter on it, and it was. I don't know. I thought it. Was, uh, I thought it was a lot more. They they had a lot more in the tank, but the Shayna Baszler style is becoming. I feel like you're. This is where you're going to go with it. So I'll, I'll just throw it to you. The style that she's having these matches are. We're just getting familiar with her style now, James. Yeah. There. Every match now has Gaga in it. Like every match since Evolution has Gaga. It's. The Shane, I'm sorry. The uh, the rematch at Evolution. It was we have the we're we're basically putting the uh, Marina adjustment into the NXT world by having an interference and Shane gets her belt back. The next match at War Games, they interfere again. Then EO uh, and Dakota Kai have to even the odds, and then um, Kyrie has EO beat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I said Kyrie has EO beat. Uh, Shayna, I'm sorry, Kyrie has Shayna beat, and she hits her with her fucking move, and then she reverses the move after getting landed on into a choke, and or I think she caught her, I can't remember. 
Um, so so that there's that too. Then there's then there's Phoenix with Bianca, and Bianca gets you know interference, and then she uh, she goes to fight through. She fails at the end after fighting to her feet out in the choke, and then she passes out. Then New York is pretty much. Kyrie and E are carrying carrying the match, and then they ultimately stop each other from getting um they stop each other from getting getting the title, which ultimately leads to uh, Shayna tapping out Bianca. And now we get this match where there's interference and or there's interference. The odds are even, and then Shayna wins. I'm just over the Gaga. Like, can we just get a straight fucking match? Like huh. the match. The matches aren't bad, but they're not on the level. And part of the reason why part of the reason why I'm not on the level is because they're using this shit as a crutch when it's not needed. Because Shayna can wrestle her style all she wants to, but ultimately, like she, uh, her is very is it's very dependent on on uh, storytelling and selling. And EO is great at both of them, so you don't need this shit. I in. You know, I, I um, earlier um, I, I I got a, as everyone knows or most people know, like I got a starting subscription in January, so they changed up a lot of their or they basically got rid of their library and are starting fresh and are rebuilding their library because they moved over to a new site or whatever. So I had to binge a shit ton of Stardom um, to watch like the classic matches or whatever else from previous years or whatever else to uh, kind of get myself acquainted with like how actually how great these people are how great is actually Kyrie saying how great actually is Mayu or uh, Mayu Iwatani EO um whoever else Momo whatever so I I did that and then I actually saw the match between um EO and um Shayna from the beginning of 2017 and it's funny because like you look at a young classic and you look at um who's NXT now in or NXT UK and just like all they all they're doing is just like grabbing any form, any any gaijin that, that has had a <laughs> gaijin they tour. ever they ever did like more than two tours in stardom seemingly right That's so funny. um but anyway uh they had a match in 2007 it's more or less this match it's a better version of this match where she works she hurts the arm she works over the arm and at different points because eo is setting up to do the german suplex or the bridging german suplex like she did last night um she saw hurt that and she does this too last night, but commentary doesn't put it over. Where the arm is so shot and done that she's not clasping both hands together to deliver it. She's literally using her good arm and grabbing her wrist on the other arm, holding in place to you know to fight and then finally drop her uh, drop Shane on her head at different points. And in the in the starting match, there was other stuff. There was also at play. Uh, uh, a back injury that um, Shayna had to work through, so they're they're doing just incredible selling. Like for those that saw the Shayna and Mia match from maybe like six weeks ago, it was it was that level of storytelling and selling. Um, anyway, you get to this match and it was just it's just wrestled at such a slow pace. For, um, and crowd silent. Yeah, it, it, because we just they just saw. I mean, they just saw a fucking ladder match. Or, I'm sorry, not ladder match, sorry, because that was after the Breeze thing. But um, that's not what they want something fast paced. And also, like the week before, most of the people saw other Joshis and they saw them work that pace, that style, that physicality, that in, the, in that version, that much screaming or in it or whatever, as opposed to Kyrie, she's, she's silent. 
And or I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, mean, I, I keep saying Kyrie. So I'm, I'm doing the Vince. Jesus. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I just feel like they're not they're not replicating what eels or they're not using her to the best of her ability of what she's really good at. And ultimately what she's good at is she's great at selling. She bumps like she bumps like almost like AJ Styles were like, depending on she's so good at bumping that she knows the, the type of splat she should take based off of the impact of what the move should be in, in your head of telling a story. She's that kind of talented. She's that kind of seller where the feel to where you can see agony and pain on her face. She, uh, and she can, she goes out there. She can brawl. She's not much. She's not a striker per se. Like most of the girls you see throw mid kicks or whatever else. She's not really, she, she can do that. She doesn't really do that, but she can brawl. So there's all this stuff that she's good at, but they're not really, you're like, yeah, we're just trying to set you up for the moonsault. And then also she's the best, one of the best flyers in the world, bar none. Right, she's one of the right. elite flyers. They, I mean, all they're using her is, is just for a moonsault, Damn. and it's like it's it's weird. And you think I mean, she's being I like handcuffed, think, essentially? Like, like are they just like are they putting putting the chains on her? I mean, I feel that way, but it's weird because like I know they wrestle completely differently, um, and their strengths are different. But Kyrie didn't have this kind of issue. I mean, granted, Kyrie is is a is one of the best storytellers I've ever seen. And I think she has a lot more fire than EO. That's, that's what I mean with the screaming. Like, but the thing is with Kyrie is one of those that like scream all the time, stardom, even, and also in new and also in takeover screamer, right? Screamer. EO, she, she gets screaming, but when there's moments in the match where it's deserved, What's so funny? Alex just responded to uh, you earlier. He was like, Tupac and Kobe greater than everything else in life and added you. Kobe and Tupac? Yeah. I- I'll go to Kobe part, but, you know, not, you know, the other I can't I can't rock with. What were we talking about? EO and uh, Kyrie, the, the fire oh, yeah. uh, between them. Yeah, yeah. EO's that EO's more the stoic type, but like when it's when it's earned, when it's you know it's time for fighting or sorry, it's fighting spirit or it's time for um, firing up is there when it's or is there that wasn't really the she she didn't really get she, it was almost like she wasn't feeling it and but the thing is like she's wrestling in, in, in impeccably smooth and everything and but it's just weird like I don't know if she just didn't feel the story or she or the crowd wasn't into it so she wasn't in it into it I don't know. Um, but I will say I'm just I'm just at this point like I I appreciate Shayna I think that she's a great change of pace and a variety that um that the other women historically NXT like the best of them weren't um weren't like she's very much different but I'm just I'm just over the interference with her two goons and then like and then just Triple H finish is like oh they come out it's a distraction oh uh, then the person gets his beat. With with her with her move in the middle of the ring, it's like that doesn't that doesn't protect anybody. And then the and then what they did with it at the end of the match with Carrie yeah. basically pulling on Roman Reigns at Great Balls of Fire, were like I lost fair and square to a heel. I lose my shit. I beat the piss out of them out of nowhere. Like that doesn't to get my quote unquote heat back. It's like here's an idea. If you feel like you need to get your someone's heat back, don't book the match. Don't or don't beat them. Don't beat them. Like they could have gave, you know. I feel like they could have gave her a better out to to like if you want to do the beat down, okay. Let's say you want to do beat down. 
we need a reason for why she snaps and beats this woman. What dastardly act did Shayna do that night that deserves that kind of beatdown? Don't tell me, oh, it's because of the what she did to Kyrie um, and what she did to Dakota Kai um, months or almost a year ago and what she's been doing in, by terrorizing the women's locker room. Like, that's cool. I think, story I, think they, I think they want you to think that, but they have to frame that better. No, that's the reason why the fans chant you deserve it. But if you're watching that, and most people, and you know, good and damn well, most people are watching takeovers or tuning in to only watch takeovers. takeovers. I was one of those people. They don't, like, they have an idea. They may remember pre- previous video package, whatever. They don't know that, like, she's still doing this. And they don't, and they showed a video package of the Kyrie thing. But, like, what happened that night that made her decide, I need to, I need to now beat this woman up by literally, like, landing a moonsault chair on her. Like, I put a chair on my body and hit a moonsault on her. Like, if that was the case, why didn't you do that the first time you saw her? Why did this match, why did the, the, the rules of this match compel you in that way? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the rules of the match compel you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so you wrestle through this, like, this person is, is personal, right? It's personal. You wrestle the rules of this match to a T. You lose fair and square, and now that's escalated you to lose your mind. Like, nah, fuck this. Like, <laughs> like the only thing that's, the only thing that's telling you is you're sort of loser. The only thing you're telling me is that is that you're still a loser, and like I don't think that's a good look for a babyface ever. Yeah, they had to turn Bret Hart heel because of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. Everyone keeps turning a blind eye, and Bret was right. Everybody always remember. Um, and then the main event, the new champion, Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole defeats Johnny Gargano for the NXT title. I went five stars on this match, and I loved it. They started yeah. at a slow pace, and they just – i at one point, I thought they were going to be off the pace when they had the ref bump. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to give it four and three quarters, ain't I? And then it just like – they fixed it. I don't know how they fixed it. But um, yeah, I oh, enjoyed. It's because he kicked. That's because they. That's when they did the uh, what's it called? When they did the freaking uh, C- Canadian destroyer on the floor. On the floor, kick out. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's when you're like, holy shit! Like this match is incredible. Bro, I, I, at, at a, like, I thought he was gonna have to hit Johnny with a fucking shotgun, a twelve gauge to keep <laughs> him down. The way he be kicking out of shit, but uh, I loved it. I thought they built it slow. This kind of felt like a New Japan main event, um, and it was. Two little guys, really. Like these aren't the biggest guys in the world. No, those are little guys. I'm gonna do them dudes. Not those dudes aren't little. They're little. Like I was seeing how like like I feel like you know the belt on my waist could wrap around Adam Adam Cole's chest. Like <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like holy shit. Like I, like I can I can I can suffocate that man if I pull back on it or whatever. But yeah, I I really like this match. Um. And I, I think it's one of the best matches of the year. I think it's the WWE match of the year uh, right now. And, and it didn't. It basically removed um, the the nothing feeling of the first two falls in the last match, and yep. that I kind of felt at least. And I thought that it's almost like how do you top yourself? Because it's like yeah, you know, Melzer gave that one like five and a half stars and all that. And I think he's going to go higher with this one. I think he's going to go like. 5.75. I didn't think it was on that level. I thought it was this was a 5. 
let's see, like five point seven five is like, isn't that like, isn't that um the end of the two thousand seventeen G one Ishii? Yeah. I'm sorry, Naito, Naito and, and um, Omega. Kenny. Yeah. Yeah, that's the second best match I've ever seen. So no, nah, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> I'm, not ready to go. I'm not think I'm ready to go. They are actually the third best match I've ever seen. Um, but I, I was so I wouldn't go that damn far. But I think okay. So if you're a person that thought this was a five, this is one of the greatest, or the New York matches, one of the greatest matches of all time, and over five stars, or whatever else, then yeah, you got you're gonna have to do that. Like so, Meltzer has worked himself into a shoot on that one. Um, but me, I thought the first match between them were was a somewhere between a four and three quarters. I wouldn't. I, I don't think it was. I personally don't think that it was better match bell to bell than his match with Ricochet at, at Phoenix. Uh-huh. Um, but you know the story of he's been chased out of this thing for two years, and the crowd was against him winning the belt the, the match and by the end of the match the last few minutes of the match like they desperately want nothing more than him to win it like that is a masterful job of storytelling so yeah i can see why you, but you know, james I, I thought like they that. had no stories in these nxt matches oh yeah i guess so so um so if that's how you feel sorry i got an espn alert i thought i had my phone on mute but if that's how you feel i can see how you get to that point but i personally think that uh bell to bell the match that you got on and also with the storytelling and them finishing other moves and um some of the sequences where like the submissions where Johnny towards the end has on the Gargano escape and then like because his leg's been worked over, he actually is has the up the leg up so Johnny so that uh Cole can't get to it like he did before to escape the escape before. So it's like this is excellent. So I think Bell to Bell that's the better match and also it had a great story with it as well. So like I believe it's the better match. So but you know, I don't know how people think, but like I thought the other match was four and a quarter. I thought this was flat out five, maybe even five and a quarter. Mm-hmm. But you know, Dave Meltzer, he don't give out five and a quarters. <laughs> we talked about this before. <laughs> he only gives out fives and five and a halves. Five point seven five. He, he's missing that one. So uh, I think there's an outside shot that this gets six, <sighs> just based on how Dave does it. So I mean, um, if it gets six, I just don't feel like it. Uh, I feel like he's tripping, honestly. Like, yeah, I, I I don't think this is better than Kenny and Tanahashi, but it's it's right below. So <laughs> I, I think it's I think that Kenny and Tanahashi's better. Um, not I think I know it's better, but I'm trying to in my mind. I'm trying to. I never really consider both of them now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, in my mind trying to come up with who, which ones how much better one is than the other, but like but clearly. Uh, the New Japan, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Tokyo Dome main event was the was the best match of the year. I think this is second right now mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, man. Uh, all overall, just just an all time one one of the great shows you'll ever see. And uh, in, yep. in Takeover, it's so, so competitive. I keep coming back to that word, but um, it, it's damn true. Um, <laughs> so if you guys didn't see the show, I would definitely recommend uh, the opener and the closer. And if you can tolerate Jackson Riker, check out the ladder match. Nothing else really, you know. Uh, and you know. Oh, one thing we can talk about the ladder match. You brought it up. You, we we must put we must give credit to Kyle O'Reilly for trying to fucking murder himself to entertain us. <laughs> yes, that dude is crazy. Like people talked about Money in the Bank, all the shit that uh, that Finn Balor put himself through in that match and the punishment he took. O'Reilly did like twice as many crazy things in that match. Yeah, he's a psychopath. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Like he is now a fish an official don't give a fuck all star. Like you know, we you say what we I want to about, about, about Adam Yeah. Yeah, like you know, one of the things that we've always given credit to Adam Cole for, even when we didn't know how good he actually was, was that when he took that crazy bump on his high on his neck uh against Alistair Black, we were like that's a, that's he's he he's definitely is he's about to craft like he's willing to die yes. for the craft right the Dillian All Star right so um to last night Kyle O'Reilly became a willing to die for it All Star yeah um it's it's crazy man but um I guess we got to do a quick run through of the uh the the damn Saudi Arabia show uh and then we could go ahead and get to watching game 1 of the finals uh here and they are going back to Saudi Arabia of course and in the main event or the presumed main event or whatever Goldberg and the Undertaker. Now I've watched a shit ton of Goldberg for the road to 173 and 0. Uh, with my freed up Tuesdays, I'll be able to pump those out at a little bit faster pace. And it's just like, I can't believe this match is happening. They are going to, Undertaker will be on Raw tomorrow. Goldberg will be on SmackDown on Tuesday. And I I have no idea why they would have any type of beef with each other. Is, is that an admittance that, w, that SmackDown is WCW? <laughs> like how we've always said it was for like we've been saying that for people have been saying that for like what 15 uh 16 17 years now no is, is that is that a final admittance that smackdown is actually in fact nitro and wcw and the big gold belt was always on smackdown too no wwe is wcw now <laughs> <laughs> Got the 50 year olds okay. in the so, main so, event. Okay, let me phrase that in. Now that that's the case, so does that mean that SmackDown is Thunder? Oh my God. PBS. Oh my God. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so we've got Goldberg and The Undertaker. Uh, who you predicted, James? I'm going to take Goldberg. I'm taking The Undertaker. Look, man, I don't know if Goldberg coming out here, flying all the way over to Saudi Arabia to lose. I, I mean, this is what I'll say. It is WWE versus WCW. You're right. So, so you tell me who's winning. The <laughs> then um, we got Triple H and Randy Orton in their never-ending battle to put us to sleep. Uh, they will do it at all costs. I guess Randy Orton wins, right? I don't. I don't know. Triple H, Triple H. did lose his last match. Triple H is winning. Triple H, watch, Triple, H win. Triple H is winning. Why is Triple H winning? One, Randy Orton don't give a flying fuck. Right? And and then two, he's never been able to beat Triple H when it's ever in, in any big throwball match. His whole career got hindered because of Triple H going over him. So why would it change now? Man. So like, you know, oh yeah, he finally he finally beat his foe, finally, after like they're both old and washed. Oh my god. And they're done. <laughs> As as top as like uh, as main eventers, now he finally wins it. How I mean, granted, Vince don't really care about stories, but in a, but in a but in a long form sense, that's just like that is just some piss poor storytelling right there. Like as Jesus as far as Christ. like your storytelling to to book a match as well. Like you mean to tell me like he's gonna win here, but he couldn't win at twenty five. He couldn't right. win at WrestleMania twenty five. Right. Does right. that make sense to you? No, not not in the least. 
We got Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley for Lord knows what reason. Uh, I'm taking Braun. Braun Strowman. Braun. We got uh, Finn Balor, the Demon. Hold on. Uh, yeah, like <sighs> my guy ain't got no eyebrows. <laughs> oh my god! And I need to know. I need to know why my guy has no eyebrows. Why does this man not have eyebrows? I don't know, but Clay Thompson looks like he's about to be on fire tonight. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's, let's run through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Go um, on. there's the demon versus Andrade. Uh, the demon's winning. Yeah, Andrade ain't be no demon. Yeah. Um, you know, we got Roman Reigns versus Shaman. Man, my fucking god. Um, do I think they're crazy enough to put Shaman Man over Roman Reigns? I am. I, I am that, but. There's no fucking way. Like, like, and The Rock means no fucking way that Roman Reigns should be losing to Shane McMahon. I think he has to beat him because, you know, so they can do their dumbass handicap match or whatever. But um, I look forward to not having to watch the Wheat and Wheat TV and the fallout of this shit. So uh, do what you has want. Ro- has Roman lost a match since he's came back? No. Yeah, Roman. Yeah. Um. We got Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler, a match I would be very interested in seeing. However, I will not see it. Uh, as for the WWE title, I've got Kofi. He's not going over to Saudi Arabia to lose the championship to Dolph, of all people. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Dolph Ziggler has a snowball chance in hell. Right. Uh, Seth Rollins will be defending against Baron Corbin, or so we think. Brock Lesnar overloons with all this. They're saying he's going to cash in tomorrow, uh, Monday Night Raw, just like they have the last couple weeks. I don't know what the fuck they're doing at this point. I don't care about the Universal title. I never have. And who knows? I, I, I Seth Rollins leaves uh, Saudi Arabia with the belt. I'll just say that. Yeah, Seth. And Brock Lesnar still has the money in the bank briefcase by the time this, this uh, shit is over. Probably, yeah. We got so, Lars Sullivan versus the Lucha House Party. So uh, everyone's favorite racist and sexist and homophobe and ECC, uh, Lars, Su- Lars Sullivan will be taking on three members of the Lucha House Party. I'm upset that they did not recruit Sin Cara to help them deal with this. They've given Lars the full Brock Lesnar push. Lars is going to maul all three of these guys. Yeah. And it's Lars' first match on the main roster. So, we already know what it is. Yeah, Lars is winning. 50-man battle royal. My prediction for the winner. I'm going to take Brock, and he comes in at number 50 for the least amount of work or whatever. Oh, my God. Uh, Who's in this fucking thing? 50 guys. Anyone you can think of. I, I, I don't know if people, like, are eligible, like... Like, I would pick Reigns, except he's in a match. I don't know if he's in the Battle Royal too, but I'm sure they'll be importing a bunch of big guys from NXT, that and Largo Loopers, and various other motherfuckers to fill out the the uh, 50 man. Yeah, I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say AJ so that they can say he already won. A, he's injured. He already won. A, oh, he's not in it. He's yeah. injured. He, he got right. that back injury. He's out for a month. Can I still get my joke off? Sure. I'm gonna say that they're gonna give him the the win, so they can say that he's won a royal, he's won a 
you know, a title battle royal or like a greatest Royal Rumble before. So he said he's a Royal, he's a Rumble winner. So they'll never have to uh, have him actually win and then have a you know title match at WrestleMania because they like to not do that with him. Um, uh, Jesus, um, Battle's not in it. Uh, yikes! This roster is very thin for the most talented roster in the world, maybe ever put together. Wrestlers, um. Yikes. Um, I, yeah, fuck it. I'll go Brock. I'll say Brock. I'll go Brock. Is there anyone on SmackDown you can think of? Like, can, can Dale Bryan win this shit? He, he's in a, he's, he's a not, he's not going to be there. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, and all the women are sidelined Sam, as well. Yeah. Sammy ain't going to be in it either. Yeah. Ke- Kevin Owens ain't going to be in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, oh, um, McIntyre, McIntyre, probably. Drew so McIntyre probably McIntyre, will win. I say either McIntyre or Brock. Yep. Okay, those are our picks. Um, yeah. If you choose to enjoy that show, let us know how it is. Um, uh, you know, if there's something I must desperately watch, I guess I'll load the network up. But they're not about to get me to commit to live viewership for this. Uh, I still have not watched Crown Jewel. I do not intend. So watch what? Crown Jewel. <laughs> Can you do Super Showdown with the, with the Undertaker voice? Super Showdown. That one's actually easier. <laughs> WWE Super Showdown. Equal to or greater or will exceed WrestleMania. Boy fucking boy. Oh, man. So... Um, I think what I'm going to do now is watch the NBA Finals on mute so I don't have to hear their commentary and listen to part two of John Moxley throwing WWE in a fucking graveyard. <laughs> what you got planned for the rest of the night, James? Uh, yeah, the finals and then watching uh, and then listening to um, part two of the Keller deal. I'm about to try to be efficient and do it, do it both at the same damn time. So, and then after that, because you know I stay up all times and I'll probably catch up on stardom because I'm behind. Actually, no, I'll probably, I'll probably, no, I'll probably need to do that because there's so many stardom shows and there's three to stack stacked up on me. So I need to get through that so that I can then be able to use my Monday night on stardom. So, yeah. How, how will that be? That, that, that That's going to be great. I'm going to be on keeping it strong style. I'm going to be stepping in for Jeremy. Jeremy has decided to take the rich crash approach and go to on vacation so Jeremy is oh gone. So I, I have I will be invading the show. Uh, we're going to be reviewing some best of the Super Junior nights, which will be interesting. Seeing as how, but um, <laughs> we will also be talking about John Moxley and um, a, a couple other things and Dominion preview and uh, different things like that. So and I'm sure Gato will drop the Dominion card uh, Tuesday morning after the show is out. But. Um, yeah, so I'll be on there this week. Of course, check out my uh, appearance on the Military Industrial Podcast. Um, and I retweeted the link so you guys can check it out. I may have butchered the name um, <laughs> right there, but I think I said it correctly earlier in the show. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if Sunday shows are necessarily going to get longer now since we don't have the second show. But, um, yeah, we're at 206 right now. So I think this is a good oh, wow. place to leave it. We have turned this shit into like the the flagship or, or uh, voice of wrestling or like um Solid Monster Weekly Deal where we're going two hours now. Wow, special week. So um, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, so anyway, that is going to wrap it up. We will holla at y'all. Fuck with us. And uh, yeah, it's you. It's you. <laughs> Such good shit. Such good shit. <laughs> Later. Peace. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.